Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. First things first, I, uh, we've all been thinking about, praying about, the emerging uh, conflict and situation in Israel and Palestine. And so let us take a few moments of, of silent prayer as we pray for all those who are affected. hear our prayer. The um, leaders of churches in Jerusalem have asked that uh, this Tuesday, October 17th, be set aside as a day of prayer and fasting for peace in the region. And so I'm inviting us all to join in that. Uh, Some of you saw the email uh, that went out yesterday, there were two emails. One was the incorrect link, and the second one was the, the correct one. But in that, I invite us to, to do that, to take uh, Tuesday and make it a day of prayer and fasting for peace. And so please join us, join us in that. I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the service that um, most of the clergy, including myself, were to be uh, away this weekend, some of us coming back today, but Pastor Jameson was going to be here holding down the fort, but then uh, late yesterday one of his kiddos got sick, and so I woke up this morning and thought, hmm, Lord, what do you want to say to the church today? Um, one of our ushers asked me as I was, uh, you know, about to come in and said, so did you have a, a sermon in your, and in, in God we trust sermon in your back pocket? I said, no. Um, but, uh, you know, these last couple hours I've been listening a little bit to the Spirit. And so please uh, offer a little grace today uh, for the message. We began last week by talking about this sermon series, Seeking the Kingdom, and talked about how each week we were to be looking at an instance where Jesus talks about money and uses it to illustrate something else. And so these sermons aren't about money per se, just as those parables that Jesus would tell were not about money per se, but... Because any talk of money hits most of us at a place where we stop and pay attention. It makes us uneasy. It makes us wonder, where are we going with uh, this? Because it makes people stop and pay attention, I think Jesus used it to, to illustrate deeper conversations about the faith. 
because of how personal it is for so many people. And today's sermon is is no different. Uh, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. I mean, let's just look at verse 24. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, period. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and have contempt to the other, period. Then, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and wealth. And then Jesus moves into a story, uh, a teaching moment. I think that the way the punctuation works here makes a difference. It matters. So what Jesus is trying to say, the core idea that Jesus is trying to communicate is no one can serve two masters, period. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and have contempt for the other, period. That's what Jesus is trying to talk about. Our inability to serve two masters. So as we have these conversations in any given sermon on any given Sunday, any given Bible study where we're teaching through these scriptures, the task, our task, is to take a concept and try to draw a direct line between that concept and other things. So we might pause for a moment this morning and say, how could I draw a direct line, a straight line, between this, these comments about Jesus, about serving two masters, and, say, the conflict in the Middle East, the conflict in the Holy Land? Can you do it? Can you draw a direct line in between the two? Can you draw a direct line between uh, this inability to serve two masters and other things that you care about, either external to you or internal to your experience? That's our task, is to be able to take these illustrations and these deeper spiritual concepts and draw a direct line. And I think, I think we can do that. Jesus goes on to, to talk about the worry, worrying about um, necessities. These are not, these are not just extras. Jesus is talking about food and clothing, things that we'd all say are very important, essential uh, to our thriving. When you think about the hierarchy of needs, these are kind of basic things, basic needs that we're trying to meet. And so Jesus says, throughout that moment of teaching, worry Worry diverts your attention. Either you're going to, to serve God or, or not here. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to be worrying. So this, this constant worry about your, your life has a way of moving your trust away from God and, and placing your trust in other things. And in this instance, Jesus is talking about material things, but it doesn't just have to be material things. Whatever is moving your trust away from God and onto something else is a distraction, is something that has the potential of distorting our spiritual lives. This is what Jesus is trying to say. And all through this 
this teaching moment as Jesus is talking about God clothing and feeding the, the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And, and, and we're listening along and we're thinking, yeah, but Jesus, I, I also know people. And I've, I've maybe even have been in the situation myself where I've not had enough to eat. Or, or we, we know people, we've seen situations where, where people are going hungry day after day. Sometimes people pass away because of starvation. Sometimes it's the same happens because of exposure. People don't always have the, the, the clothes that they need. We think about the cold months and and, and our uh, uh, unsheltered neighbors and, and how those months can be very dangerous. We think about all of this. Jesus isn't denying any of our realities. When Jesus says, don't worry about your life, you think, don't worry about my life. If I were living in the Holy Land right now and you roll up and you say, hey, don't worry about your life, I might have words with you. When I think about the lives that have been lost and are being lost, not only there, but, but elsewhere, I think, don't worry about my life, really? But Jesus is being crystal clear here because Jesus understands our reality. Jesus understands our life. But what Jesus continues to point us toward is things that will last you put your trust in God. You put your trust in God's kingdom. You allow that to direct your life. And in this parable, Jesus is talking about mood. If you, you allow the kingdom of God to even help your, your mood and your outlook in life, what you're concerned about, that's going to have lasting effect. That's going to move, that's going to uh, be helpful in this life and in the life that is to come. These are eternal things that Jesus is causing us to be, calling us to be focused on. But, but, when we start to move our concern in other places, then it's almost like displacing God. And in some ways, it can even become a kind of idolatry, my, my deep concern for something else, my deep worry around something else, can displace God in the center of my heart. And because it also challenges my trust of God, all of a sudden, God becomes downsized. All of a sudden, God becomes downsized. And here is the danger, friends. When God becomes downsized in our life. If God becomes downsized, then God's voice, God's teachings, what God encourages, they also, all those things, potentially become downsized in our lives. Instead of drawing this direct correlation between these teaching points of, of Jesus and how they impact our lives, we see, we don't see the connections. We see disconnections. And that affects our spiritual life. I have had the privilege of, of teaching a, a course 
uh, at Duke Divinity School. Um, I'm doing that every Wednesday uh, this, this fall. And so this Wednesday, we had as a guest on Zoom, uh, Gregory Boyle. It was a fun time uh, to, to have Greg there with us. And he said uh, something I thought was really, really powerful. He said to the class, your image of God creates you. Your image of God creates you. So he says, every day we define this notion of God. And he said, there's nothing, there's nothing more consequential than your notion of who God is. Let me pause right there and what what Greg Boyle was saying. This is also what Jesus is trying to commend to us when Jesus talks about not having two masters. Your notion of God, who you believe God is in your life, there's nothing more consequential than that. If your God is tiny, Boyle says, then you will be tiny. Again, your image of God creates you. If your image of God is tiny, then you might be the same. Conversely, if your image of God is spacious, then you will be spacious. We all land on notions of God. We all land on notions of God. And what we must remember is God is always going to be greater than our notions of God. God is always going to be greater than our notions of God. God is always going to press uh, those boundaries and, and, and help to move us into an, a more expanded, a more expansive notion. But in order to do that, we've got to be able to safeguard some principles. We've got to be able to understand uh, what is, is anchoring in the faith. For instance, I, I love what Greg Boyle said to the class. He talked about their life at Homeboy Industries, and he said there, there are a couple things, for instance, that they, they safeguard there. He says, we safeguard this notion that everybody is unshakably good, no exceptions, because in the beginning God created and it was good. In the life of every single person, Scripture says, we were created in God's image. And so, even the most vile of offenders, there's some glimmer in there. It, it, might, it might have a heavy plaque around it. And we, and we interact with people that sometimes you go, wow, that, that image of God is really hard to see in you, uh, dear friend. Uh, some of us work with, in situations with people each and every day where we, we encounter people who come to us, they're in our space, they're in our workspace, because there is a lot of plaque around that image of God. There's a lot that obscures it. Nevertheless, it's there. And so if you trust in the unshakable goodness that God has placed in your, your life and in someone else's life, and you believe that everyone is, has that unshakable good and there are no exceptions, that affects how you treat people, right? He says it's the second thing that we, we believe at Homeboy Industries. We belong to each other. And he says, no exceptions. 
We belong to each other, no, no exceptions. So again, this is about creating straight lines between things, right? So we, we trust in God. They can't have two masters. We're going to trust in God. We're going to seek the kingdom. We're going to follow God's way, God's ways. And as we do that, and as we attend to our basic core theology and beliefs, we're going to allow that to affect us. So if we did that, let's, let's pause and think about the situation in Israel and, and Palestine, in the Holy Land, in the Middle East. So if we're believing in the unshakable goodness of everyone, no exceptions, and we believe we belong to one another, no exceptions, if we safeguarded those principles, if, if a broader pop, the bro most broad population of our earth safeguarded those principles, would we even be having the same conversation that we've had over these last days as we've viewed things that have taken place there? I don't think so. I would shift everything, right? It shifts how we think about somebody else. It shifts how we respond to them, right? Demonizing is always the opposite of truth. Demonizing is always the opposite of truth. This is another thing I've, I've picked up from Greg Boyle and, you know, teaching a class on, on his writings. Demonizing is always the opposite of truth. It's opposite of the way God sees. How can I say this? Why do I say this? We've got a God who sent God's Son into the world because God didn't say, look, you people who are messing up all the time, I'm done with you. I'm about to send another flood your way here. Uh, I'm done with this. No. For a people who were mired in sin in ways that they could not help themselves, God sins, God's son, so as not to demonize anyone, but to say that everyone has the possibility of redemption. That's what the Christian story is about. So demonizing is the opposite way of truth. Demonizing is not the way that God sees us. And so hate directed at anybody is the opposite of the God of love. Hate directed at anybody is the opposite of the God of love. All right, so I just want to um, share a, an illustration around this. I, I once heard someone say that they, uh, they saw a, a shirt uh, that said uh, something to the effect of uh, love, not hate. Love, not hate. And this person said, but that's not it. That's not, that's not actually helpful. Because if you say, because it's so easy for us to say the people who we think are loving the things that we love are right, and the people who we think are, are hating the things that we don't think should be hated are wrong, it creates an us and them. And as soon as you create an us and them, you forget so easily, we all forget so easily that we belong to one another. We belong to one another. This is, this is one of the hardest 
things for us to deeply believe in the human experience. Because every time someone hurts us, every time someone harms us, every time we see people harming others, we say, look, it's not just that that thing that is done is evil, but we begin to attribute that evil to a person or a group of people. And as soon as you do that, it is so easy to launch either verbal or actual bombs in a direction. It's so easy to, to, to take hold of people and do whatever you want to them. It's so easy to subject people to whatever kind of judgment and marginalization that we believe they deserve if I lose a sense of we belong to one another. That doesn't mean that there aren't accountabilities. That doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable for actions, but it certainly affects how we hold people accountable for their actions. You think about, just take a moment, move away from the Middle East just for a moment. You think about the person or persons in your life that get on your last nerve most often. The people that you've got the most tense, frustrated relationship with, think about them for a moment and then think you belong to them and they belong to you no matter what, no exceptions, all right? So how are you going to interact with them next time? What's that going to do to your relationship if you, if you do that? If you treat them as a beloved child of God and trust in their unshakable goodness just as you trust in your own, how might that affect us? How we view God shapes our lives. And when we look at not only the, the pain and the harm that's being done currently in the Holy Land or currently here and other places that uh, we can name uh, as we think about uh, the con continued challenges between Russia and Ukraine, as you think about those persons or persons you just imagined before a moment ago, your image of God creates you. What you believe about God and believe about how, how God sees us absolutely affects things. So that's why it's so critically important for us to hold God first, to trust in these words of Jesus, to believe it deeply and say, I'm going to allow God to shape my life accordingly. So that's, that's my challenge to you this week. In the midst of all the complex situations we're hearing about or all the complex situations in our lives, trust God first. Trust this God who is in everything that is loving. Allow this God to shape and form your life, to shape and inform the way you pray for every situation that is painful in our world foreign and domestic, about every situation that's painful in your life. Believe that there is a goodness that God has placed 
in each and every person and believe that we belong to one another and then let's see how God shapes our lives. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.